comic book flagship. When you hold me in your arms so tight, you let me know everything's alright. Guardians of the Galaxy, Kevin. Guardians of um, the Galaxy. <laughs> welcome to Comic Book Logic. I am your host, Joe. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Kevin. Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, today, if you haven't figured out already, we're doing Guardians of the Galaxy, 2014's <laughs> Guardian of the Galaxy, the pleasantly surprising Guardians of the Galaxy, if not to s- spoil anything ahead yeah. of time. Yeah, sure. So let's start this off like we always start off these. What did you know about the Guardians of the Galaxy, Kevin? I, like the rest of the planet, had never heard of any of these people before. Hey, hey Kevin, Kevin, I want you... To, to ask me what I knew about Guardians of the Galaxy before this movie. Joe, what did you know about Guardians of the Galaxy? Nothing. I did not know anything about this damn comic book. <laughs> really? Um, An I, obscurity even to you. It's The Guardians of the Galaxy are one of the most obscure things I've ever seen come out of the MCU. Yeah. Um, and that's not saying I didn't know the Guardians of the Galaxy. I knew about them. I, I heard it in the past. Um, I'm going to go over a little bit of that in the, in the you know, when we're talking about what, where they come from, but the they are just a really, really obscure comic. Yeah. Every character in there is relatively obscure. Not super obscure, but just relatively obscure. And it's like, it was a weird pick for this. When I heard it, I was like, all right, they're going to do Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, the team first appeared in a, in a partial reprint title called Marvel Superheroes, which is, you know, they would usually be like a reprint of a... F- you know, a couple famous issues that you can no longer get because comic books back then, it's like if you missed an issue, you wouldn't be able to find it. It was like right, they burned them all. Yeah, they just they, they went they to threw the war them all into a fire. It was the war effort. Yeah, uh, I believe it was the Vietnam made, War effort. But they made they made tanks out of uh, yeah, the tanks out of, out of comic, but yeah, yeah, out of pulp. <laughs> um, yeah, they they originally so they would do that. It was kind of like live TV back in the day. So like if you missed your episode of I Love Lucy, you were screwed. Yeah, and they just didn't yeah. keep the recording. No, this is <laughs> for a lot of those well, shows. So. I Love Lucy did, but everything I else I Love didn't. Lucy did. Yeah, yeah, they were they were big on that, but yeah, yeah a lot of other stuff is gone. Yeah. Interesting note that the rerun became uh the idea of the rerun became part of popular culture because Lucy got pregnant during the run of her show. So they couldn't actually film her being pregnant because that was like showing a toilet on TV. Right, um, yeah. So they, they, Lucy was like, the, well, let's 19, just show old episodes. And, in the 1950s, pregnant women were the equivalent the, the, of toilets. Okay, yeah, we're making, it seems true. like a joke, but no, that's true. <laughs> that's, um, so yeah, it first appeared time. in Marvel Superheroes issue 18 in 1969, uh, written by Arnold Drake, penciled by the famous Gene Cullen. Uh, they would appear uh, sporadically. Uh, throughout most of the 1960s and 1970s. Um, always, like, in some weird, like, obscure fight with this alien race called the Badoon. And it was, the or Badoon. I don't really know how that's pronounced. Um, they were, uh, 
yeah, it was it was just some weird thing. But in the '90s, they actually had a long longer running title. That's kind of the more famous one, only because it was uh, uh, written and illustrated by Jim Valentino, who later went on to form Image Comics, which probably more people know for Spawn and that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, he did Shadowhawk for Image Comics, but that's where he kind of got it started in the Guardians of the Galaxy. It ran for 65 issues throughout the 90s, which was respectable for a 90s comic. Uh, there was a lot of like weird characters who have absolutely nothing to do with this movie in that comic. There was like Vance Astro and um, Alpha Centauri. Uh, one of the only person who appears in this movie from that comic, at, le- at least, you know, non- um, like cameo wise is Yandu, the uh, blue guy played by Michael Rooker. Ah, <laughs> yeah, he yeah. he's actually a regular character in this is in the original okay. Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, in nineteen and um, nineteen in two thousand eight, they actually rebooted Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's much more familiar to what we saw on screen. Um, not completely, but close. It was written, that was actually written by Dan Abnett and uh, Andy Lanning. Dan Abnett, of course, famous for his run of. Uh, fiction based on the Warhammer 40k universe, uh, the tabletop board game, Warhammer War game board game for Warhammer 40,000. Um, characters from the movie, of course, is Drax. Drax first appeared in 1973, uh, created by Jim Starlin. He was a reoccurring role in Captain Marvel. He was a villain. Um, he was a big green guy with purple cape who would fly around. His his whole backstory was was that he was driving in a car in the desert. And Thanos accidentally like hit the car and killed his wife and kid, but really didn't kill his kid. He uh, Thanos took his kid and turned her into the villain Moon Dragon, and so Drax was oh constantly trying to get back at Thanos. It was uh, and he was given special powers in order to defeat Iron Man for some odd reason. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. I buy that. He uh, first appeared in uh, uh, actually I don't have that written. Oh, Iron Man fifty five. Uh, Groot first appeared, it's probably the earliest character, appeared in 1960. Wow. Um, yeah, in an old Tales to Astonish. He was a monster character. He would re- regularly reappear as a monster who would only, of course, say, I am Groot. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Um, actually, he didn't talk for most of it. Uh, Rocket, as in Rocket Raccoon in the comics. Uh-huh. Uh, character was created by Bill Mantino and the famous Keith Giffen. Uh, and consciously consciously inspired by the Beatles song Rocky Raccoon. <laughs> sure. Because in the comic Incredible Hulk 271 titled Now Somewhere in Black Holes of Serious Major, there lived a young boy named Rocket Raccoon. Uh, he teams up with the Hulk to re- uh, to stop a villain trying to steal the Gideon's Bible. <laughs> <laughs> um, huh. it's, it's They spelled... give those away at every... <laughs> It's spelled, hotel room in America. You don't need to steal that. I think it's spelled different than the actual Gideon's Bible, <laughs> but it, it's it's spelled Gideon's Bible. I don't know if it's supposed to be pronounced Gideon's Bible, like they spell, like they say in the song. Ah, nah, that I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Gideon though. <laughs> but you know, it but could be pronounced sure. Gideon. It could be. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, oh, it's <laughs> a terrible song. <laughs> Actually, it's not a terrible song. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I, I have it's, a, not, it's not one of the better. I have sort of uh, a childhood kind of yeah. fondness for that song. It's the White Album. You can't really argue with the stuff. on. It's got Glass Onion um, <laughs> uh, and Piggies. Um, 
Then Gamora. Bungalow Bill. Bungalow, Bungalow Bill is just that awful, awful wailing in that background. That's the that's that's Yoko and uh, and somebody else. Is, it's a good it's a good like call and response song, yeah. but it's just that. Ugh. <laughs> um, Gamora debuted in Strange Tales 180, 1975, created by Jim Starlin. Um, she was she's actually like a really important piece of the puzzle for the Guardians of the Galaxy because she has a lot of her background tied to Thanos, who is going to be the villain in the upcoming uh, Avengers movie, Avengers Three, which is the Infinity Gauntlet. Now she was a, a minor character in the comic book arc uh, miniseries called the uh, Imper- um, Infinity, Infinity Gauntlet. Gauntlet. So that it, she's going to have a little more importance with that. And uh, finally, Star-Lord, he appeared in 1976 in Marvel Preview. Um, really just a background character. He had no important with anything. He Marvel was actually sued by um, the estate of uh, Robert Heinlein because he was like kind of a ripoff of some of his like juvenile stories. Okay. So they weren't really allowed to use him <laughs> in anything. Interesting. Uh, but he did he did come back in the uh, 2000s and he's part of the current Guardians of the Galaxy. So these guys weren't created as like a team. They no. were just they they just said like we're gonna make this team and it's like here's just like a a grab bag of just random well, characters that have well the appeared. early the early Guardians of the Galaxy were originally created as a team. This team that we know was kind of the people who were all grouped together in the 2008 uh, series Guardians of the Galaxy. That was written by Dan Abnett. Oh, okay. So the yeah. one from the '90s you're talking mm-hmm. about that was different characters. That was completely different characters. Oh. And as I said, the only one who really made the appearance was Yandu. Um. So yeah, it was really weird. I was um. Uh, I I never really got into it. The 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 newer kind of incarnation of the Guardians of the Galaxy came out of the Annihilation Con- the Annihilation series, which was actually pretty good. I read that. Um. And I kind of knew a lot of the characters, and there was a lot of, like, really weird, obscure... It was, like, kind of like Marvel sci-fi space opera that they did in comic book mm, form okay. in around 2008. And if you could track down those those books, it's a really interesting read. All right, so the plot of Guardians of the Galaxy. Sure, um, whatever that do you want, was. Do you want to sing the musical, <laughs> the musical background for this while ever I'm reading this, so you could say whatever the golden oldie is that's playing in the background <laughs> as I'm doing this. Um, starts out in 1980. I think it starts off in 1988. Uh, wonderful year. Um, really, right before uh, you know Tim Be- Tim Burton's Beetlejuice. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure. Uh, Elf, I think, was on the air in 88. Um, <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah. Not, not quite sure what else. Um, it was a terrible time. 80s were, The late 80s were an awful, awful part of humanity. <laughs> George George Bush the first just got elected. Doesn't yeah. Doesn't give a time frame, but. Yeah. Um, Peter Quill, a young man sitting there listening to his Walkman cassette player, is brought to his dying mother's bedside. So you think, oh, this is going to be a light space comedy romp. Nope, dying mother, first five seconds of the movie. Always got to start there. Yeah. That's how this goes. Um, 
And when confronted with his mother's death, he runs away and is abducted by aliens. Yeah. Or abducted by something. It looked like straight out of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You know, Richard Dreyfus is sitting there going, this means something. <laughs> um, he's taken away. Cut to, what is it, 26 years later. Uh, the, yeah, so. Yeah, 26 years later on the planet Morag, a man uh, descends out of a spaceship and starts playing music. <laughs> um, he plays a... Wow, what's that? Ah, why can't I, I get the name of it? Uh, yeah, I don't. I full disclosure, um, you had a chance to revisit this movie. Come and get your love. What's it called? Um, um, and I uh, unfortunately did not. Yes. Which um, I I I wish I did. So I'm, I'm relying pretty heavily here on your uh rem- <laughs> your Come memory. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I know the song that you're yeah. talking about, but I couldn't. But tell anyway, you, uh, uh, so he head, he finds the uh, a special orb that he is somehow seeking in a very kind of Indiana Jones sort of way. Goes to take the orb, and he's stopped by Jijiman Hasansu, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, his his group of of faceless goons. Firefight ensues. Hired goons. Hired <laughs> hired goons. <laughs> uh, he's. You know, we've said hired goons, and I think the last I know, six it's, podcasts. It's like every single, uh, single one. I don't yeah. know. He is, he's, 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 uh, it's by Redbone. Redbone. I've pulled up the soundtrack, so yes. now we know. Okay, good. So you'll be, you'll, you'll, we'll you'll... figure out when Spirit in the Sky plays. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just Norman Greenbaum in general. Um, Quill manages to escape. He finds out that there's a pink chick who he just forgot was in his bedroom. Yeah. Um, and uh little 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 yeah. captain kirk esque yeah little captain always, kirk uh yeah inter interspecies yeah interplanetary yeah uh intergalactic planetary yeah korath is by the way the name of the digimon hontanzu's character korath tries to intercept him to get the orb does not and uh he has to report back to his boss ronin that he failed yeah i think it's worth talking a little bit about chris pratt yeah also and kind of his portrayal like right off the bat because you know, up to that point, like, yeah, we've got this scene, the kid, it's kind of yeah. crazy. Like, what do you make of that? Like, a guy, like a kid he yeah. runs out of his dying mother's, ho- I sort of say hotel room, hospital room, mm-hmm. gets abducted by aliens. I mean, just the tonal shift. Shift of that, like, in the first, you know, 30 seconds Second. of the movie mm-hmm. doesn't, you're just like, you're it's very jarring. And then we jump forward in time. Like, you're so thrown in, you, you don't know anything about these characters. You know, yeah. the, the the marketing was such that I think people yeah. kind of knew that, that this was going to be sort of a silly movie. But, you know, the first time we actually see Chris Pratt when he takes sort of the mask yeah. off and yeah. he's being sort of funny, yeah. being very Chris Pratt, as we now know, that's a thing. Like yeah. if you had it's watched the, Parks and Rec, yeah. you're kind of familiar with him on yeah. that show. It's Han Solo with the personality, essentially, is what it is. Right, like a very yeah. sort of goofy. With, with a sense of humor, how about very that? Very yeah, goofy Indiana Jones, uh, yeah. Harrison Ford kind of kind of character um where he's, he's like i'm kind of self-effacing right kind i'm of, star lord yeah. and then they're like i don't, don't know what? who that is yeah, yeah like why would they know and that's sort of a it's joke just, too yeah. like because of course why would we know who yeah. that is oh no you're absolutely don't. right yeah so yeah, I yeah mean, so it's a weird it's a weird tonal shift but i think that it'll <laughs> become a little important later on um so he escapes and he's uh contacted by yandu his old boss with the ravagers the people who abducted him um, and they learn that he's trying to sell the orb by himself. Like I, apparently there was some like deal or something like he was supposed to get it for the Ravagers mm-hmm. and they were going to split the money, but he's trying to do it on his own. 
so he goes to the capital of the uh, the capital of like this uh, intergalactic republic, the Nova Cap Empire capital, Xandar, to sell the orb. Um, however, Yandu has put a head bounty on him, and Ronin has sent one of his assassins, Gamora, the daughter of the mad titan Thanos, to retrieve the orb as well. Um, originally, he was going to send um, Doctor Who's companion. Uh, right. Yes. yes, Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan. But he did ops, But Gamora says that she knows Xandar better, so mm-hmm. he sends her instead. So he goes to the planet, and he's trying to sell it, uh, sell the orb um, to this little, like uh, I guess, a broker, an intermediary. And he's stopped uh, by Gamora, who tries to steal it as well. In this in this little little fight chase to get the orb, yeah. uh, they're stopped by two bounty hunters, uh, a small raccoon, bipedal raccoon, <laughs> named Rocket, and a giant plant creature named what's his name? Uh, he says I it a couple times in the movie. A few times, yeah. Tree. Oh, I think it's I think uh, tree. I think it's root. Giant tree. I think it's that name of that garbage company that's in Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's it's very jarring if you if you live in the in the Chicago area and you see. Uh, garbage trucks going down the street once a week that say Groot on the yeah. side. It's impossible not That's to have a, that yeah. association. Yes. Uh, so Groot, uh, as they're trying to, for some, it's really weird scene because they're trying to stop Peter Quill blowing up stuff, and they're uh, stopped by the um, by the cops, and they're taken. Yeah, they all get arrested. Yeah, by the Nova Corps, and they are taken. The Nova Corps, as led by Glenn Close, <laughs> Glenn Close and John C. Riley, John C. Riley and Peter Serafinowitz <laughs> yes. is the tri is the triumvirate of the of the yeah. Nova Corps, which we see. Uh, Peter Serafinowitz, most famous for uh, Shaun of the Dead, yeah, and the voice of Darth Maul from Star Wars Episode One. <laughs> uh, and John C. Riley, of yeah, course, I forgot about that. Yeah, John C. Riley, the ultimate everyman. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Um, and Glenn Close, also the ultimate everyman. Um, <laughs> she played a pirate in Hook. She played a, a male pirate. In <laughs> beard did. and everything. Yes. She, she went in the boo box. She went in the boo box. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, got covered in scorpions. <laughs> yes. I think it was just one scorpion he put in there, which is not quite that scary. I think but he drops a couple in there, I think. He just unloads a barrel. <laughs> bringing, bringing the scorpions and trucks backing up. Beep. Yeah, screwed on the side. So they're taken to the Novacorp prison, also called the Kiln. Uh, that's where uh, Rocket says that I've escaped twenty-eight thousand prisons or whatever. Um, <laughs> that's a lot of prisons. a great a great prison scene where uh, a big monster tries tries to apparently rape Peter Quill or claim him as his own. Yeah, there, there was, a, I mean, we know yeah. where those yeah. generally lead. I mean, yeah. he wasn't... We watched Oz. We know. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, we didn't. But <laughs> we were aware that Oz was a thing. We were aware that Oz is a thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so, they, but uh, Rocket and Groot stop it and they do this great, like, he's ours! Like, it's like, it's weird, <laughs> like okay. Um, also, we meet a character by the name of Drax, the Destroyer, who is anti uh Crete. Uh that means he's also anti Ronin. Um very specifically against Ronin because Ronin killed his wife and kids. And yes. he wants to kill Gamora himself because uh she works for Ronin. Right. Um luckily uh in a in a weird prison scene where in a prison like shower creepy scene where Drax is going to kill Gamora, uh Peter Quill is able to stop him and say like, hey look, you know, we're all gonna get out of the and we need her alive in order you need her to get to Ronin. We need her to sell this orb. 
Um, and she's like, yeah, I'm going to get like a quadrillion dollars for it. Something yeah. ridiculous, like sure. a ridiculous amount of money for it. And they're like, holy crap, we're going to get a, this much money. A quadrillion credits. Yeah. That's how, that's how, that's like the monetary unit in yeah. space generally. Yeah, credits. Credits. I want, I want 40 billion quatlus. <laughs> That's an obscure reference. Um, I know that. What is that from? Star Trek. Oh, it is a Star Trek. Game Masters of of Triskelon. Right. Yeah. I know the Quatlus. Yes. I'll wager 15 Quatlus that the human dies. (laughs) 20. (laughs) Um, They also reference it in Futurama, too. Uh, God, I'm just... I'm kind of hungover right now, so I'm just spewing, like... All the knowledge is just coming out of my brain right now. Um, After... So so they set down to to plan their escape... Uh, you know, Rocket sets, I need this, I need this, I need this. He goes, but once we get this, all the alarms go off, so we have to get this absolutely last. Little do they know, Groot is currently getting that last thing, which sets off all the alarms, and the big prison break riot goes out. You know, yeah, uh, fun scene. Fun scene, great, you know. Uh, a lot of lasers, yeah. a lot of shooting stuff. <laughs> bazookas. Jumping around. Um, eventually, they're able to, to uh, turn off the gravity and escape the kiln, get to Quill's ship. Um Peter Quill also has to stop first to get his little bag full of stuff, including his Walkman, which contains uh, a mixtape from his mother. Uh, he kind of freaks out about it and has like a weird autism moment and like, <laughs> he, you know, beats a guy to death for it. I need my mixtape. I know, kind of. Um, I've seen Kevin do that a couple times, too. I, 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 <laughs> I need yep. my mixtape! <laughs> um, the mixtape, of course. Been there, I understand. You know, a present from his mother. Mm-hmm. They're able to escape and fly out and fly to a special place called Nowhere, which is the head of a celestial giant floating in space. Awesome visual. It's being mined for, you know, brain fluids and stuff like that. Where they're going to sell the orb to a mysterious man known as the Collector, who we last saw at the end of Thor 2, colon, or Thor, colon, The Dark World. (laughs) Benicio Del Toro. Benicio Del Toro doing his best David Bowie impression. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, he's doing a labyrinth David Bowie impression. Yeah, I cannot wait for his glam rock album (laughs) to come out. That's going to be amazing. Del Toro, Del Toro. That sounds like his great his, his album right there. Yeah. Um. So while Peter Quill and uh Gamora are getting all the backstory to what what's in the orb, which is the right. infi- which is an Infinity Stone, yeah. Uh, where they learn that it's from the Dying Galaxy, and they were few, and all these systems were fused into these stones, and this is the Power Stone, and it gives you infinite power. Yeah, but whoever holds it blows up. Uh, you know. Yeah. The, it's a exposition. Horcrux. Exposition. It's a Horcrux. <laughs> That's what they find out. So Thanos split his soul into seven into right. five gems, and uh, but in the meantime, Rocket, Groot, and Drax get drunk and Drax calls Ronan up I guess as a late night booty call <laughs> to let him know where they're at right uh, which leads to and so as the, <laughs> it's never good to drunk dial you don't the, drunk the dial villain. your 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 enemy yeah your nemesis uh, Gamora it, when they sent hand over the uh, orb with the power stone and with the, the power gem in it uh, the collector's little pink sidekick Who's tired of being like yelled at? I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, she might be abused. We don't see that on screen, but you know, we're we're entitled. We're we're kind of have to assume that she's having a very bad working relationship with the collector. In rock and roll fashion, I have to assume he hurls whiskey bottles at her. And, <laughs> I you said know. slag off. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. She's like, I'm tired of cleaning up your vomit after your heroin binges. <laughs> 
Your space heroin binges. You spent all your credits on heroin again. <laughs> Didn't you? <laughs> I do speedball now. It's heroin mixed with stardust, which I believe was a song off of Space Oddity. Um, so the... Uh, yeah, so she goes and grabs the the little gem, and she explodes, blowing up everything. Yeah. Um. So now they got to figure out what to do there. But meanwhile, Ronan shows up, and is uh trying to you know get the orb himself. Mm-hmm. And Drax is like, "Fight me! Come at me, bro!" <laughs> and gets the living crap kicked out of him. Yeah, Lee Pace. Yes, Lee Pace showing up as Ronan. <laughs> he's he's shown up a couple times before. Ronan is of course angry at the Nova Empire because of things. Uh, who knows what those things are? Yeah. yeah, they're just they're just eternally at war. It's a Romeo and Juliet situation. If he and John C. Riley just made out, it would completely change the you know his feelings in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're managing they shoot these little mining pods. They're flying around and zoom 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 pew pew pew. <laughs> uh, yeah. things smashing into each other. Um, Karen Gillan's character, uh. Hit uh, destroys Gamora's little pod, and Gamora's out in outer space, and she's dying. So right, so yeah. so Quill, you know, sacrifices himself to go get her, and he calls Yandu, who's out looking for him after contacting that little broker and being like, "Dabba dabba dooba doo, dabba doo." It's a really funny scene. It's very Michael Rooker, and I love it. Yeah. Uh, they go and they they capture Gamora and Quill, and they're gonna kill Peter Quill. And in one of my favorite scenes of the movie is where, for the second time, he's saying, like, my Ravagers wanted to eat you when they took you up. They never ate humans. And she just goes, he literally goes, no one eats anyone. No one even crosses their mind to eat another person. Don't use that like it's a good thing that you saved them from eating me. Possibly my favorite thing, because he just calls about, like, no one would even say that. Um, Yeah, uh, Michael Rooker's fantastic. And the so Groot and Rocket... And Drax try to uh, save Quill by try by threatening to blow up the ship, uh, the Ravager ship. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, uh, they come up with a plan that. Uh, by the way, um, R- Ronan gets the orb and he's going to destroy Xandar. Yeah, because all he has to do is touch the stone to the ground. And that's what they say, and it'll blow up the entire planet. Who knows if that actually happens? But if that would actually happen, I mean, it sounds like pseudoscience to me. It sounds like like people who are like. <laughs> anti-vaccine you know something like that i'm I'm sure it'll take a little bit more but who knows right this is one of those gmo infinity stones you can't uh you don't know know what those things are going to do when they Mm -mm. touch the ground (laughs) i i we we only we only buy all organic natural infinity stones gmo free infinity stones i grow them in my backyard but i use pesticides so i really can't use it (laughs) um so they go they they managed to convince uh, Yandu that they can go and get the Infinity Stone and sell it for and give it they'll give it to Yandu who could sell it for you know quadrille all quadrilles in the universe. Yeah. Um, but they have to go stop Ronan in order to do it. So they they eventually team up together and form a plan that they're gonna do spaceship stuff and blow stuff up and get into fights and you know swashbuckle across the galaxy. Yeah. In a standard way. Mm-hmm. Um, they also call up John C. Riley and let him know that Ronan's coming. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what you do, you know, you give a little, you know, a little phone call. Little heads up. Little heads up. Hey, dude. Being a bro. Yeah. Uh, they managed to uh, track down Ronan's ship, which is flying through, you know, at Xandar. Um, bunch of spaceship stuff happened. They blow a hole in his spaceship. They go on board in order to shut it down. Uh, meanwhile, the Nova Corps is getting all their spaceships together and kind of form a net around the ship, 
which in the tradition of Marvel Cinematic Universe nonsense, <laughs> it's pretty pretty high. On yeah, the list. it's like, hey, we got a bunch of different technologies. This technology is probably the most useless, so let's make sure our ships have it. <laughs> um, slightly below the flying aircraft carrier. Well, it's it's great because it's it was basically like supposed to be like a high tech sci fi. I don't know, like game of Red Rover, Red Rover. <laughs> Is basically what we were seeing. It was like Red all the ships Rover, joined Red together. Rover, let Ronin come over. <laughs> and then they fly into it, and they're like, "No, no. I got a hold on. Yeah. Can't break through." Um, so the our main team is is on board. They're fighting. Gamora fights her sister, um, in a kind of a cool scene, um, and they're able to take down the ship. But it's not enough because Ronin puts the Infinity Gem on his hammer. And uh, survives the initial blast. And as the ship is going down, Groot puts all of his roots around, you know, the the team. And, you know, as he says, I am Groot the entire movie. And they're like, why are you sacrificing yourself? Because he goes, we are Groot. And I'm yeah, shit a manly yeah. tear. Yeah. And uh, mm. the ship crashes. Ronan survives. And as he's about to smash the planet Xandar, Peter Quill shows up and challenges him to a dance off to I believe uh it's Mike it's the Jackson 5 or is it yeah, Michael I want ja- you back. I want yeah. you back. Yeah. Jackson 5. Yeah. Um challenges him to a dance off and his Ronin is distracted. He's like, "Why are you doing this?" He goes, "To distract you, bro." And he you know, they they use that cannon that, you know, the the Chekhov's laser cannon <laughs> right from earlier to blow up the hammer, shoot the infinity stone off and as as it's going off in the air, Quill grabs it and uh they say it's going to destroy him, but uh, he manages to link up with all the other Guardians of the Galaxy, Gamora, Drax, and Rocket, the, the surviving ones, to harness the power to destroy Ronin and then capture it, and all is safe with the world. Yeah. Um, kind of a cool set. Also, some stuff. Rocket's uh, flying around a spaceship, shooting all of the, the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's fighting on that ship. Yondu ship crashes and he uses his special flying arrow thing to kill a bunch of guys mm-hmm. that he whistles with I don't, really I, don't, have that. I don't think that's actually a special effect i think michael rooker can actually do that <laughs> he just flies he, just, no, he just he has a little arrow that can go and he yeah. flies around and kills him yeah and that's just michael rooker he's he's good that way mm-hmm. um if anyone would know that james gunn would know that <laughs> james gunn would know that we'll go into that in a second um, and then uh, also then you have the credit sequence where you find out that at the end that part of the collector's chamber <laughs> was a dog in a Russian cosmonaut outfit and Howard the Duck Howard as voiced duck. by Seth Green <laughs> in one of the greatest moments in 2014 cinema history. <laughs> I spit my was, pop out when I saw that. Oh. It was, uh, yeah, bewildering bewildering funny and silly and uh just you know and he does not have sex with leah thompson When 
production notes. Everyone's favorite segment. Yes. Um, this is actually pretty interesting. I mean, I don't want to go too much into it, but um, 2010, it was first announced that Guardians of the Galaxy might be on the slate of movies to be produced. Um, kind of, once again, that was one of those things where everyone was like, what? Okay, you know. Um, the script was uh, uh, script was written by uh, Nicole Perlman, who's also currently writing Miss Marvel, so a female-written script. Uh, James Gunn was attached to direct this, and um, not many people knew who James Gunn was outside of like he's got a very niche audience. Yeah, um, right. People, a lot of people know him from doing trauma films. He did. He wrote Tromeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Um, worked a lot with Lloyd Kaufman. Uh, got his big break writing the remake of The Dawn of the Dead, which was directed by Superman Zack Snyder. Um, a lot of people mistake him for directing it. No, he only wrote that one. Uh, he also wrote Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters <laughs> Unleashed. Uh, yeah. also, uh, he wrote and directed the movie Super, which is a great, uh, very strange kind of like, uh, I guess it would, I would call it a counter-argument to Kick-Ass, the movie yeah, Kick-Ass. It's, it's a little bit more grounded than Kick-Ass. Yeah. He also, early in his career, wrote the, the superhero movie The Specials, which was kind of a, 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 kind of a counterpoint to... Um, Oh, what was that movie with Ben Stiller where he was the Furious, Mr. Furious? Oh, Mystery Men? Mystery Men, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like Actually, a counterpoint to Mystery Men. Yeah. I didn't see that one. I've seen Super, and I and I liked it, but it was a little too... Um, it was a dark movie. I, th- I thought when it was randomly um, bloody, um, I appreciated that for what it was trying to do, but it was a little too much for me. Yeah, um, and it just seemed too kind of random in the movie. But um, he did Slither. He did. He also directed which I Slither. Which I think is fantastic. Yes, yeah, Slither, one of the best horror movies of the two thousands. Great, great horror comedy. Occasionally gross. Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker. Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion, who has a cameo in this movie as the monster who tries to prison rape Peter Quill. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's uh, great. Yes. Um. You know. He. It's a. Uh, He's a very, as I say, he's a niche niche director, but the people who like him generally like everything that he does. They'll give it a try, and they give it the benefit of the doubt. He's a very, very interesting guy. One of, like, I guess I, w- I would put him kind of, like, in a class of, like, yeah, you know, directors of our age. You know, people yeah. who grew up on the same things we grew up with. Mm-hmm. So now he's translating that into film. He's one of the, these new, uh, I don't know, kind of, like, inheritors of mm-hmm. pop culture yep um you know some people who were up for the role of peter quill joel edgerton jack houston jim sturgis edie redmayne um and lee pace who you know took on the role of running lee pace of course best known from the abc tv show pushing, <laughs> pushing daisy yes yeah. who oh, and I know also him. also played legolas's dad in the hobbit movies he did. Yeah, he yeah. had a kind of a busy year that year. <laughs> he was bi- he, he had and a makeup. lot of screen time in The yeah. Hobbit. Yeah, um, looking very pretty. You know, Chris Pratt, of course, got the role. Chris Pratt, best known for at the time, probably Parks and Recreation. However, yeah. if you talk to my wife, she would say, "Oh no, he's best known from Everwood in the OC." <laughs> I uh, guess it depends on the person. But... Really, didn't have a big movie career, but kind of just it was. He's kind of a sleeper like star like he's he is now this is very much his moment i think yeah. him getting this casting and and getting fit was kind of the big news yeah. and then pair that with um earlier this year jurassic world 
um, kind of that one-two well, combination. Not, I think those also, are the big. He was in the two biggest movies of the year, that and the Lego movie. Right. Yes, yes, yes. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So um, those were kind of – that was his year last year, and then this year he's he's sort of even more kind of buffed yeah. up, I suppose, to, yeah. to do that. And yeah, he did Jurassic World this year, which is kind of supposed to be his breakout role. I mean, Jurassic World was like the biggest movie of the year, so, so – It's currently the, the new third highest grossing, grossing movie, movie of, of all time. time. Yeah. I um, don't know how or why, but go figure. Also not mentioned specifically in any article that I – read while doing the research for just this part of the movie uh, this part of the podcast glenn howerton i heard was up for the role of star lord and he was very close to getting a glenn howerton from it's always sunny in philadelphia oh um, okay yeah however i hear that marvel like marvel really wants to use him in something and uh he's supposedly this was it was like this or another role in an upcoming movie that we have yet to see so maybe he will be coming soon um uh, on that end. Uh, oh, uh, so I wanted to really talk about with this movie two other things. Um, the There was also a pretty big backlash in a lot of the merchandising in the fact that Zoe Zaldana's character of Gamora was not uh, really in any of the merchandise. Like, it was, this is a very anti-female... Marvel, right. starting with this movie, got accused of being very anti-female. And uh, which kind of reaches ahead, you know, in the next movie, Avengers 2, Age of Ultron, we see a lot more of that. But it was kind of an issue that Zoe Zalana's character was not featured in T-shirts, posters, um, DVDs. Like, she's not shown on a lot of stuff, which kind of caused a little bit of an outrage. However, her character is named after one of the biblical cities that's destroyed because of evilness. (laughs) So, eh, not to mention the fact that, you know... Her sister, played by Karen Gillan, is also another major character, but you never see her on anything either. Nebula is her name. I didn't. I don't yeah. think I ever called her Nebula in the recap. So, yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's a big problem that you know Hollywood in general is still kind of wrestling with. I think yeah. it's it's something that you know we're seeing starting to shift now. Yeah. You know, there, there's there's a lot kind of kind of happening, and, and there's some things that. Um, it's improving. Yeah, you know there there are more roles for for women. I think in, yeah. in more prominent role, and and so if these movies, these Marvel movies, aren't going to kind of catch up with that, then I feel like they're also going to be very they're they're also quick to react. Maybe. Yeah. Um. So I'd like to think that you know whatever's kind of next on the pipeline for them. You well, know, one may... of the movies on the slate is Miss Marvel. So. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's a ways away still. You I think know. it's MS period Marvel, so uh, I think that might get some issues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's defined by the fact that she's not married. Great. Um, it's right. in her title. Miss <laughs> um, Marvel colon looking for a husband. <laughs> um, well, it's funny that the two biggest breakout characters of the movie, of course, were Groot and Rocket, who were both voiced. Or they were voiced characters. Done by uh, uh, famous Vin Diesel, Vin and, Diesel uh, delivering the I am Groot. Yeah. I think he has like six lines in the entire movie. And Paid $60 million. million. <laughs> no, I don't know that. Well, to be fair, Vin, uh, Vin Diesel, uh, his his series, The Fast and Furious, is the most bankable movie series in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and Bradley Cooper, of course, doing the voice of Rocket Raccoon, mm-hmm. who probably could have been done by anyone, really. He just did a lot of yelling. 
in yeah. the movie, but you know Bradley Cooper did a, a, a pretty bang up job. I mean, it's surprising that he won't. If if they're consistent over over time, like you know, where where now that you're in, we talk about this a yeah. lot. Now that you're in the MCU, like that's who you are. That's who you have to be. But since it was a voice role, it might be interesting to see if he ever as yeah. a character, you know, on screen, yeah. if he ever gets to play someone else. Yeah. Also, uh, Dave Batista as uh, Drax, uh, yeah. famous wrestler Dave Batista, who uh, you looking at the, you can look at the production notes. He said that he actually cried when he found out that he got the part. He was so excited. So. Aww. Yeah, good old Dave Batista crying. <laughs> uh, yes, and um, drag sad, happy <laughs> yeah. sad. Guardians of the Galaxy was actually a sleeper hit. Not many people were expecting it to do well, or because they were all like, "Guardians, what the hell is Guardians of the Galaxy? It's not a bankable yeah. property." Um, however, the first preview came out at Comic Con where they played Blue Suede, hooked on a right, feeling, right. and everyone was like, okay, we're in. <laughs> Sold. Um, well, that was the tone it, it needed to hit. I mean, we talked about that in the beginning, but yeah. I, I mean, there was no way that this movie was going to come out and it was going to be like a big, you know, moody or, or even even have anything kind of serious about it. There was it. no gravitas attached to this right. movie. There was yeah. no way it was going to do, you know, some kind of a Star Wars thing where even like with some humor, but it was clear still going to be you know these the, the somewhat heavier um there's no way anybody was going to go see that well and i think i you know and you and know, casting chris pratt i think is a dead giveaway that you're looking for someone who has a certain comic humor, sensibility yeah. a certain comedic timing and, and a screen presence that people yeah. are going to kind of be on board with yeah it, I, it's clear that's what they were going for so yeah i mean it's um for the movie itself it did 332 million at the box office in North America uh with a total of 774 million and it was the third highest grossing Marvel movie next to Iron Man 3 and Avengers um at the time yeah. um Avengers 2 blew it out of the water wow <laughs> yeah um and not only that but it the sales of Blue Suede's Hooked on a Feeling went up 700% the day after the trailer went. Now, I, uh, just for people listening to this, uh, um, maybe people overseas, there used to be a commercial that played nonstop in the 90s where it was um, the summer, what was it, Summer of Love or something like that box set? It was a Golden Oldies, essentially, is what it was. Oh, okay. It would be like, you know, it would start off with I like, thought you were going to say, because wasn't there like a chewing gum commercial that used Blue Suede pops, that too? Be, Blue Suede co goes away and comes back every six years. Yeah. It, it does. It, it'll... I mean, it was definitely used... But I mean, it would be like that's yeah. what I thought you were gonna yeah. that you were talking about. It would be like you'd hear like it'd be like now available for the first time on CD this collection of golden oldies, you know, and it'd be like hooked on a feeling, and then it would be um, Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky, and it'd be like we had fun, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun, you know, it'd <laughs> right. be like those type of songs. Now. Everyone, when this album came out... Oh, you know what it was? It was the... I, it, it, it probably was a commercial, but I was just looking it up to see what the Wikipedia page had to say. Yeah. It was the Dancing Baby song from yes, Ally McBeal. McBeal. Yeah. yeah so you were absolutely the right. So, early yeah. 90s, this, this was huge again, because it was also on Reservoir Dogs. Yes. It was on it, the Reservoir Dogs soundtrack. soundtrack. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was that version. It might have been. It probably was. If it was yeah. Tarantino, he probably used the original. Yeah. Or else he used some like really obscure version that was like done in sweden uh, 
Uh, I don't. I just say that because blue suede. Um, but well, BJ Thomas's version was the original. Blue suede's version is a cover. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, but that's go. what I'm saying. When when this when this uh, soundtrack dropped, everyone was like, "Did you buy the soundtrack?" And I was like, "No," because I don't really like any of these songs. Um, but the soundtrack was huge for this movie. Um, blue suede. It hooked on a feeling. Go all the way by the raspberry. Spirit in the spot, sky. Norman Greenbaum. Moon Age Daydream by Bowie. I mean, you you got I mean, you love Moon Age Daydream, but of course it's on Yeah. Uh Ziggy Stardust. Ziggy Stardust, um, yeah. And that one that song really works more in the album. Yeah, I want I mean, you back. That's amazing. That's an amazing song. I don't like Adult Jackson 5. Fooled around and fell in love, Elvis Bishop. I'm not in love, 10 CC. I want you back, Jackson 5. Come and get your love, but Red Yeah, Bone. there's definitely yeah, a lot. Come and get of... your alone by yeah. This go. this soundtrack could have been one of those like late 80s early 90s yeah. like CDs compilations this, that they would advertise at yeah. like you know 10 o'clock at night yeah that's what I'm saying and, and yeah. like, it, uh, it could have been that Cherry Bomb play the Runaways snippet as all the song titles would slowly you know scroll up yeah. the screen and you'd see like in the yeah. background people sitting around jamming yeah Escape the white Pina, people sitting the, around jamming the worst song of all time Escape the Pina Colada song which I absolutely hate it's that song a, it's kind of a bad song I agree uh uh, Ooh, Child by the Five Stair Steps. Ain't That's no a Ma- great song. Ain't No Mountain High Enough by Marvin Gaye. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. I, I really do hate all these songs. <laughs> um, and all the songs, with the exception of Spirit in the Sky, were uh, are featured in the film, with except Spirit of the Sky, which is in the trailer. Um, some songs that were that were considered but never not used or used during filming and not actually in the movie, were Never Been to Spain by Three Dog Night, Magic by Pilot, Living There by the ELO, um, Wichita Lineman, and Mama Told Me Not to Come by Three Dog Night. A lot of Three yeah. Dog Night. Uh, Fox on the Run by Sweet, and Surrender by Cheap Trick. Now, I do like Surrender by you Cheap Trick. You do like your One surrender. of the best Cheap Trick songs of all time. <laughs> Agreed. Um, but yeah, the soundtrack is, it's interesting. I like the fact that they used a lot of songs that, they were they're popular songs, but they're not well. But it's also fun because like that's not a thing that these movies have been doing. I mean, no. they have a score. I mean, y- you know, they if you listen have, to this show, you yeah. hear a lot of the, you you do a lot of, put a lot of the songs from the score. I mean, yeah. it's really they're just they're, they're very and, generic soundtracks pop that are soundtracks not, yeah. in general aren't really a thing anymore anyway. No, you well, know? pop soundtracks that are featured prominently in a movie aren't a thing anymore. They always have like music as inspired by the Amazing Spider-Man Two, and yeah, it's like, and those are messed. That's and true. <laughs> <laughs> like, right. Sometimes pool. Sometimes they're know. indie rock songs or whatever. Yeah. They'll get you know something like that. But yeah, it's not. Florence and the Machine is featured in the Hunger Games. Music inspired by the Hunger Games. You right. Know? Exa- that's true. Yeah, they do the Hunger Games one. But yeah, it's it's not right. Not like this where it's like there's going to be a lot of pop songs. Prominently featured in the movie, almost right. like it's a plot point. And it's not... What it is. Right, and none of them are original. There's yeah. There was no, like, no one... They didn't get, like, you know, Coldplay to, <laughs> to sing a Guardians of the Galaxy song. Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy, key change up and say it again. Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. That's Coldplay. What? That was... <laughs> I don't know who that was. That... I'll buy it. I'll buy that that was Coldplay for the purposes of this he podcast. Just, he just mutually separated from his wife. He needed some money. <laughs> yes, it was he, right. from from his wife, who is now an Iron Man. From Pepper Potts. From Pepper Potts, yeah. yeah. <laughs> When's Chris Martin going to get his own part in the Marvel Universe? <laughs> Soon. They're running out of actors. <laughs> they are. Um, but yeah, it's it was... 
I think it was, it's notable to talk about that just because it was a lot. And, and the thing that makes it interesting to me is that these are songs that, you know, it's a plot point. These are the songs that Peter Quill's mother listened mm-hmm. to and she wanted him to experience. Um, but, and he was a kid from 1988, you know, uh, let's say he was, what, 12 at the time. So that puts him about born 76 70s yeah spirit of the spirit Mm -hmm. of 76 right there you know we were born in the early 80s and i'll tell you what my parents would never let me listen to any of that crap (laughs) (laughs) like you listen to zeppelin you listen to frank zappa oh no (laughs) listen to the beatles no my my parents didn't have no my 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 parents your parents are significantly older than my parents too though that's my dad had uh my dad loved the beatles he had a lot of beatles but otherwise it was mostly like um Christmas albums, and then <laughs> my mom had a lot of Streisand, Ooh. and so that's my parents' record collection. I have not, like you have, yeah. rated your parents' record collection. I haven't. I've pretty I didn't much. Have to, I didn't have to rate it. It was in my dad's garage, sitting in a pile. So ah, yeah. It was. It was just like, Dad, I'm taking your records. No, my dad Why? likes. The, my dad's pretend. <laughs> Why? My dad's pretend pretends that he's going to one day listen to them. Yes. So I can't have them. But yeah, like. Um, but yeah, it's, but people do love these songs. These songs were all number one hits. Uh, there were, you know, a lot of them were one hit wonders with few exceptions. Bowie is a notable exception on this compilation because it's kind of an obscure song from an, that's from a concept album. Yeah. And uh, the Jackson 5 song, you know, that's a. Uh, in the spirit of fact checking, not all of these songs were number one hits. Well, yeah, but I'm saying when I say <laughs> but when were, I say one well hit, known songs. Yeah, when I say one saying. hit wonders, you know, they're like songs that people know they would buy mm. the single. Yeah. Um, you know, they might have you know hit top ten. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. Pina mm-hmm. Colada song I know was the number one. <laughs> oh my god, what a what a good, what a garbage song that is. <laughs> I'm an alligator. Papa coming for you I'm the space invader I'll be a rock and rolling bitch for you Keep your mouth shut Just walk a lot All right, so uh, what do you think of the movie? You know, I like this movie a lot. It was um, my, this doesn't really mean anything, doesn't sound all that impressive. It was my 18th favorite song, uh, song, favorite uh, movie of 2014. Really? It was in my top 20. Wow, out of I can't I couldn't name twenty movies from 2014. I have a top. I have a kid though too. I have a list. Right, exactly. (laughs) I I have a I have a top thirty. I also I my that's where I cut off my list because I was like after that I'm starting to just be like these are movies I saw, Um, (laughs) not really ranked. I just have seen these. Um, But the only reason I bring that up is because I have never before I've or, or since had or really even considered any of the Marvel movies um, for my top anything in that way, with the exception, the only other exception being the first Avengers movie Yeah, um, for 2012. Still not 
really, really high on my list for that year, but I believe it's on there, maybe oh, okay. somewhere toward the bottom. Interesting. So I would say that as of this moment, for a lot of the reasons that I, I think we kind of talked about but didn't really spend a lot of time on, um, but that I think address some of my, my overall kind of uh, concerns or, or exhaustion such as it is with the Marvel, um, with the MCU such as it is, um, this is probably my favorite MCU offering yeah. to date. I mean, that we've talked about. And I would agree with that. And I, I think probably a lot of the same reasons that I feel a lot of burnout from the Marvel movies is when a lot of people feel burnout from mm-hmm. is addressed in this movie. It's, it's kind of like a refreshing thing to it's watch. It's very refreshing. It has nothing to do. I mean, tenuous, in tangentially tenuous with the infinity, the infinity, like, infinity yeah. stones and with Thanos. And they just, they just wanted that little sort of in the collector, like some things we've seen before, but this feels so far removed. Howard the duck. So far removed from all things Avengers. And, we're going to start to see that. I mean, this next slate of movies after, you know, the next couple of years when we finally kind of wrap up the, the Avengers movies, the big, there's going to the, be two more yeah. of those part of the two part, you know, finale. We've got another Thor for some reason. We've got another Captain <laughs> America. Yeah. Um, we got another Thor, another Captain America. Um, and then two more Avengers movies. Yeah. Two more. Avengers. Well, a, so, a couple standalones and some Avengers movies. Some, yeah. some standalone movies are going to be coming kind of online sort of around that time. And, and, and after that, you know, there's yeah. going to be some that, that we'll definitely get to and talk about in the future. But um, they know that, those characters are going to be kind of done. Yeah. And I think that they really, including a guardians of the galaxy sequel, by the way, that's yeah. true, which I believe is going to be called volume two, which yes. is kind of nice as well. It kind of really gets at, I think why it's not, unless this changes, it's not going to be called like guardians of the galaxy, colon, the quest for, you know, <laughs> the quest the mi- for the quest of the, the mixtape. third mixtape. Yeah. 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 You know, it's not going to be something There was a second mixtape like at the end of the movie. I we didn't mention it, that Peter Quill carried around a box from his mom. Some mix number two. two. Yeah. So, which I think is bullshit because I don't think a lot of people use the word awesome in the 80s. I think that was more of a 90s thing. Maybe. Yeah. That's possible. Yeah. She might have just been really ahead of her time. She could have. Tubular. Tubular music. Tubular. <laughs> she was tubular. This was a radical mix, number two, number one. This is what this is like. He gets really mad because, like, this is her phase where she's really into progressive rock. It's just so, <laughs> There's like... so much Alan Parsons project <laughs> on here. Oh my God! Side B is just twenty one twelve by Rush. You know what though? Side two. I would be okay with that. Twenty one twelve is a great album. Speed. Yeah, a little bit more um, your speed. I don't think you'd be able to fit all twenty one twelve on one side of a cassette. That, I don't know that. Yeah, there uh, were those super long you, ones. There were those really yeah. long one hundred and twenty minute tapes. Um, it's so long. It's been so long since I listened to a cassette. I don't know how long cassettes were. Yeah, it's you could buy the ones that were that yeah. that you could record. Yeah, on yeah, there was were, a lot. They of, were yeah. they had 120 minute ones. But, yeah, but I think anyway. 120 minute would just cover Getty Lee's uh, drum solo. So <laughs> a Neil Peart drum solo. That, damn mean? it! Damn it! <laughs> You're right. Getty Getty Lee's the I bassist. Even, right? I don't even listen to Rush. Yeah. Rush. There's no. I, I should not know that. Oh, I'm so mad at myself. Um, but yeah, it's no, I, I like this movie a lot. I, 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 for the reasons that we just kind of talked about, I liked everyone in it. Um, you know, it's easy to sort of, uh, get a little bit lost in it because there's kind of a lot going on, but it's also, um, it doesn't spend a ton of time on a lot of that background and and a lot of the, the, um, 
what's going on. There's yeah. not a lot of exposition. I mean, there is. There's certainly some, but I feel yeah. like they tried to really keep it moving. Well, yeah, and I, get the characters to that point. There's that sort of yeah. one quiet moment where they're all kind of together and they're sort of spotlit in a strange way, yeah. and they're kind of sitting around this room, basically. Uh, I think it's, it's Star-Lord's trying yeah. to convince everyone else to kind of join the sort of quest to go and, mm-hmm. and save this planet. And one by one, they're all kind of uh, reluctantly sort of agreeing to kind of become this team. And, uh, you know, that's a good moment. It's a good. It's like the one opportunity to kind of catch your breath. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, yeah, I liked it. Well, I think I, think I, I want to kind of focus on, on what you were just talking there as part of the reason I really like this movie is that I love plots where A leads to B leads to C leads to D leads to E and yeah. there's no leap of like well A has to go to B. I know well uh, you go, there you don't there's no uh you no leap of faith of why A has to go to B. A naturally leads to B which leads mm-hmm. to this, uh, Peter Quill steals the orb which leads him to go to Xandar which leads people to put a bounty on him which leads the people to have the fight like the fight yeah. naturally has to happen and then because the fight happens they get put in the prison which means they have to bond right. in order to escape the prison nothing nothing yeah. felt forced that's ex- exactly it at and, all yeah. which is you know like I always go back to Thor Thor is the most forced movie on the planet like right. everything in Thor you just like there's someone pushing them to do this, right. and and this movie doesn't feel that way, and I love that about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love that the um, uh, I I feel like the comedy is natural. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like you know it's in desperate dire situations, like there has to be the sense of humor in the galaxy, and I feel like that everyone naturally kind of taps into it, even like Gamora and Drax. I should say Drax, who is, you know, this a character who doesn't get any sort of metaphor. Like, that's specifically part of his character. He's from a race of people who don't have metaphors. So he doesn't get stuff, like, <laughs> over the head or, right. you know, nothing goes over my head. I would catch it, you know? <laughs> right. Or, like, yeah. he doesn't get, like, the, the finger across the neck ca- means to kill. He's like, why would I put my finger across his neck? I I feel like that's natural humor that comes out of a character as opposed to something that's forced. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that's what's, that's really clever and funny. Gamora is the straight character in the, in the piece. Like she's the one who has to lead everything, but even she kind of has a sense of humor where she like, you know, she tells him like your pelvic magic won't work on me. You know, (laughs) it would have been a little, probably better to give her something a bit more. I feel like everyone else kind of had that opportunity. And and when you've got sort of the one woman in the movie, um, on the, the side of, of good, I suppose. Well, I guess there's Glenn close, but she's, uh, as I say, it's a screen time. She was in the boo box. (laughs) Once she got out of the boo box. Yeah. Uh, she only had a couple minutes of screen time anyway. So, you know, you get this main character. It would be interesting for her to be, she was tough, which is kind of good. But then she also very quickly just became sort of the love interest. Yeah. I mean, but that's the thing is like, it even wasn't, too love interesty like you could tell like peter quill is trying to uh to get on that and uh, <laughs> but she's like yeah. you know she rebuffs him because she has a, a, a mission i mean granted it does kind of fall into the the standard marvel thing where you know these people end up in a romantic mm-hmm. you know entanglement yeah. which doesn't need to be there at all um it that's that's kind of feel like i don't but i don't think they ever actually go to that level on it but it's, it's she's an interesting character. At least she has an interesting backstory. Her parents were killed. She was taken by Thanos, trained to be an assassin. Mm-hmm. You know, she has this sister Nebula, who's 
also the same, you know, but she's th- uh, yeah. there's this weird sibling rivalry well, just, thing going I, I on. I think what's silly about that, and, and I think the problem with with having that and, and, and what what these movies too often kind of rely on is that, you know, a female character is either, you know, a, 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 a doe eyed kind of love interest who who immediately falls for the guy um, sort of like Jane in yeah. Thor or she's like a tough, you know, no nonsense. Arr. I have a mission. I can't, you can't, it seems like they don't know what to do with like a possibility of a character who's like, I, you know, a strong female character who's like, I can, you know, kick the bad guy's ass and I have this mission. And at first she's kind of a villain almost. Yeah. And also like, I have sexuality and I will, you know, if I, could, if, yeah. I if, if, you know, I've met you and once we kind of do that, like we can maybe pursue something, but it doesn't have to be like on your terms. It could yeah. be on her terms or on their terms. The you know clo- what I mean? Yeah. The closest that it's, they get to that is probably Black Widow and Captain America 2. That's the closest they probably yeah, get to it. a bit. Yeah. There's, there's, a li- there's a little bit of the... Too hypersexualization in the in the second movie, yeah, of, of Black Widow in that movie. But I mean, she's not, but that's her character. I think. I think, I think Pepper Potts is even a little bit better, where she kind of has that. It, she just doesn't have as much of a focus. She's definitely yeah. like this periphery character, but and she has that really awkward kiss with Robert Downey but, Jr. Oh, in every movie. Exactly. Yeah. Over the three movies, she's kind of been given a chance to yeah. kind of say like, I'm, I can do this. And this this is, you know, it's not a thing that yeah. defines her, but it's also not something that they're going to, like, ignore. Yeah, the, the Pepper Potts thing is weird just because she's so defined by her relationship to Tony Stark. Yes. I mean, she's literally it's, a it's subordinate an, to him that becomes his love interest, which is awkward. Yeah, it's, it's definitely problematic, but I, yeah. but I think this is something that, you know, they have an opportunity maybe in the next movie to kind of explore that, and I, and I hope that they do. Yeah. Uh, and, so, yeah, and I... I think that pretty much covers like part of the in the the two main reasons why i really like this movie though is is the humor um mm-hmm. and the the way that the plot works and it, yeah. it's just the writing in general uh this nicole perlman who wrote it did an excellent job i think of you know and uh i um uh gun did a great job uh he did rewrites on the script as well and i think he added probably a lot of that humor um some weird things though that i did notice like Peter Quill makes a reference to to a Jackson Pollock painting. He was abducted from Earth in 1988. How the hell does he know what a Jackson Pollock painting is? <laughs> they have the internet. I, well, my, that's my thing. Is like I kind of feel like he probably would have to go back to Earth. It's not, there's no reason he couldn't go back to Earth at any point. That's true. Uh, he might feel like he doesn't need to go, or mm. you know, something like that. But then he would probably get a lot more music taste, like a lot more, you know. Have a bigger vinyl collection than just uh, you know. You come back to Earth. He's that's like, true. I need to buy a new Walkman, and they're like, what? It's like, oh, hey, we've got the internet out here in outer space. Yeah. Wait, what's Napster? Yeah. Holy cow, I can make a much longer awesome mix. And I, I think it's interesting, and it's one of the things I kind of like about sci-fi, what science fiction has been saying about Earth is, a, you know, science fiction is always kind of a a, a, a thermometer of, of or a barometer of what's going on in Earth at the time. Um, so, like, this movie's written at a time where pop culture is kind of, what we define earth as like what we define human civilization as like our our pop culture and that's kind of what it is right now is what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like what guardians of the galaxy is saying is is that the major export of earth is pop culture you know it's it's not anything other than the fact of our music and our movie references and that sort of thing i think that's kind of interesting like a, a way of looking at it yeah um you know it's not like the 1980s where the major 
you know, export of Earth was nuclear war. <laughs> I was going to say, was, yeah, it was the apocalypse. <laughs> it was the apocalypse, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, anything else? Like, I loved all the characterization. I thought everything was great. Um, I don't think any characters really stood out as, as bad. No, I, I mean, it wasn't really flooded with characters. There was a I lot mean, of everybody... there was a lot of characters in this movie. There were, but but they were very, you know, we mentioned John C. Riley and Sarah Finowitz and yeah. you know What's a bunch of A-holes? And and Rooker and, and the bad guys. Oh, let's talk about Michael stuff. Rooker. Let's talk about Michael Rooker. I let's talk about Michael Rooker. <laughs> what does he sound like uh like the boss? <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody <laughs> Clarence <laughs> Um <laughs> I think I think the addition of of Michael Rooker into anything is amazing because Michael Rooker is probably one of the most underrated actors of all time. No, wait, Michael Rooker is perfectly rated actor. <laughs> it's probably right, probably perfectly rated by the few people who who, who know who Michael Rooker is. Very highly, uh, Michael Rooker, of course, playing Yandu in there, mm-hmm. he, and he doesn't really play Yandu. He plays Michael Rooker. Um, just a blue, just blue. Mike, blue Michael Rooker. Yeah. Um, and I think that was like the standout character of the movie. Just like every time Michael Rooker comes on screen, you're just like, oh, fun. Michael Rooker right. scene. Right. Like, why would this alien be like he's from another planet, but he's clearly from like Alabama. <laughs> like, I don't like he, there's no. Yeah. At no point are they like, OK, Michael, you need to like you should probably yeah. you're an alien right it's like, Yan- ah. yeah. <laughs> yandu know? portrait of a serial killer <laughs> you know it's, exactly yeah, yeah. it's it, I, and that's why i love yeah. i love Mike, michael rooker is one of those few characters character actors who plays who i don't care that he doesn't play a different character when he's on screen i want when i see michael rooker on screen i want to see him play michael rooker that's kind of a, but I, that's what i love about it is it's michael rooker i mean it's not like el pacino like late years el pacino where he plays this Al Pacino, and you're like, right. "Oh my God, stop being Al Pacino! You used to be a really good you actor. Used to do so much more. Yeah, exactly. Ever since Scent of a Woman, you've just been the same character, pretty much. <laughs> the Devil from The Devil's Advocate. That's who he's been. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's I, I've absolutely just fell in love with Michael Rooker again watching that movie. I've just and you go and you watch like Walking Dead, and you're just like, Ah, Michael Rooker. Yeah. You know that sort so of thing. So good. Yeah. Alternative casting. Uh, okay. Um, this is a, a little bit of a, um, I don't want to say, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm handing this over to Kevin because we're doing something <laughs> special today. Uh, so, I'm gonna, I, will, I will chime in with a couple of my picks. Okay. Um, uh, so yeah. when we were watching, what was it? Was Avengers. It Avengers. I don't know how we got into the subject, but we were talking about this movie and what we were going to do with it in terms of the casting, and basically well, I, it became well. Well, hold on. It was we did the Avengers, and we did the uh, the 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 Rat Pack. 
The Rat Pack right. Avengers. Okay. And one of our fans mentioned, I can't remember who it was, but mentioned that we should do an entire casting with the Wu-Tang Clan. That's right. And yep. we kind of did the whole 90s thing with the with with the series of movies that we're doing, the 90s recasting of the movies. And we figured it would be perfect to do Guardians of the Galaxy with 90s kind of hip hop. Yeah. You know, basically. But when hip hop started transferring to mainstream movies was about the 90s. I mean, you had, you know, uh, Tupac in a lot of movies. You know, Tupac mm-hmm. would be dead at this point if we were doing. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. What is 96, 97? I think he died he... in 96. Maybe 95. I think he got shot in 95. It was. Um, gosh, wow. I, I should know that off the top of my head. And for some reason, I don't. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean... And there's no one I know better to make the casting call for a, a 90s hip-hop movie with mainly members of the Wu-Tang Clan and other hip-hop and rap stars than my Gang friend Kevin. In 1996. 96, yeah. So, um, yeah, so let me let me pull this up. So so I spent some time... Kevin, I knew Kevin would spend time doing this. He would he would take this incredibly seriously. Well, and, and I initially... <laughs> exactly. I initially... I spent a lot of time trying to, to, to really think about, you know, who was really acting. And there are a lot of rapper actors um to just spend a second talking about the wu-tang clan there were not a lot a lot of them have appeared in movies um for the most part um you know method man is probably the one that people see the most yeah um and i i would loved would have loved to have method man as peter quill i think That would have been a that would be a ton of fun to watch. The only reason I didn't go with that is because the only thing I can think of him even starring, co-starring with Redman was the movie How High, <laughs> which is not a great movie. Yeah, and I I really think I just don't know that that that's what we want to go with here. Oh, but, this is your this is your call. This rate, is your baby, so you could do whatever you want. I got a couple ideas okay. that I want to add in. Okay, because uh, I know there's probably one or two characters that you didn't cast that I, probably, I know I could yeah. put in something, and I might have an idea on the dr- director too. But you, so, can, you go so ahead. So I didn't. So it's not exclusively. It's not even exclusively rappers. Yes. I really tried to look at the landscape. I think I went nine ninety six, ninety six okay. or so, ninety seven. I'm not entirely sure. So my Peter Quill, mm-hmm. a uh, uh, an actor who's going to be able to have sort of that comic timing, um, but also. Um, is a believable in in quotes air quotes um action lead okay you know being able to kind of believably sort of jump around and move that quickly you don't want like a doughy okay you know funny actor uh i went with best known for tv at that point damon wayans nice <laughs> okay good 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 um so damon wayans funny actor um uh, i think we would have a lot of fun watching that i think he could still do it yeah. uh, today well, and he damon wayne jr a little bit who older is, but yeah, yeah. He, he damon could, wayne jr who is a pretty much a carbon copy of his father yeah could could do it really yeah. strange how that worked out yeah. but uh yeah it would I, I, so okay uh my gamora um i thought about a lot of the female actors i hate that word but but the the female act um rappers uh or singers who were kind of around that time i couldn't really get one that i thought Again, we're talking about like there's an action, yeah, oriented yeah. angle to it. Um, someone I thought could like believably be some sort of like a yeah. an assassin or something. Um, 
Very popular at that time, Jada Pinkett Smith. Really? You went with Jada Pinkett Smith? Yeah. I thought for sure you would have went Aaliyah. Aaliyah was like, um, I thought a lot about, or I, I, well, I, know I she did, did think Queen about of the that, Damned right around was, that time. Well, a little later than that, but. Later than that. I was like 2000, and I think she was like 17 or really? something when that happened. Oh, she was wow. too young. Okay. Okay. Just too young, What about Brandy? No. <laughs> <But> <laughs> what about Brandy? Um, anyway, you could have had Usher play Peter Quill. And this might be a little, this might be, I'm th- my my timeline gets screwed up. That's but, the yeah. problem I had was that there were a lot of great picks if this movie was coming out in the year 2000. 2000 yeah. I, I just couldn't, it was a little too young. Okay. Uh, everyone was a little too young. My Drax, um, not quite as buff as a, I'm sure there's a great Drax who's like huge and could be, you know, some sort yeah. of like a, like today would be like a, um, uh, oh, God, what's his name from Brooklyn Nine? Um, Terry uh, Crews. Terry Crews. Sorry, I, I, I yeah. knew it was a T, but I couldn't get it out. Um, I think I'm be con- confusing him with who I actually picked, who was big actor at that time, Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, not as huge, but uh, he was. Yeah, you know, no, he was that's... having a moment. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Once again, in 2000, we could have went with DMX. Well, we talked about this during the time. Yeah. I do have DMX. Oh, do you? In my film. Nice. DMX would have made a great Drax, but we talked about this when we watched Avengers. Uh, DMX is my Groot. Nice. That's okay. Good. Good. I'll go. I'll go with you. I really wanted to hear Groot say, "I am Groot," and have that be DMX. Just how he yells. I just would like. I would just like it if instead of I am Groot, he just said, X, gonna give it to you. <laughs> just like that's all he said throughout the entire movie. That would what? be fit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just shouting before, all the things yeah. he shouts in every song. Because I think X was in a, uh, was in that Steven Seagal movie in the 90s. Glimmer Man, maybe? No, I could be. Was thinking. he? Oh, I don't know. He was in. He was in a. He was in a Steven he Seagal a movie. Lo- yeah. he, he was in a lot of stuff. He had like yeah. a decent acting career even up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, which which I'll which I'll mention in a second when I when I get to the director. But I have two more to cast. Obviously, okay. there's another central character, Rocket Raccoon. Rocket Raccoon, and you and I both yeah, know who it is. Um, my one pick, <laughs> the one yeah. member of the Wu Tang Clan who made it into this movie, even though this was how it all started. Yeah, because it's too funny not to have ODB. Yeah, ODB's guy. Uh, Rocket, Rocket Raccoon doesn't even act. No, he's not even one of the. No. You know, Raekwon has acted and RZA has acted. acted yeah. Uh, well, ODB died before he could act, so. Well, maybe not, but he just died, he died recently. In like, no, yeah, it was like 2004. It was like a little over 10 years yeah. ago, I think. Um, so, I mean, he was definitely still, I mean, um, he hadn't released, 1998 was his big, was uh, Return to the 36th Chamber, that great, great, yeah. great record. I would say, my, my only other pick out of a rapper who would do it would be Easy E, but he died in 95, uh, so. I was going to say, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You know, there's, because it's voiceover work, that definitely opens yeah. it up to pretty much well, anybody. Well, ODB's but... got such a, a memorable it voice. It would just be, it would be such a distinctive character, yeah. and it would be a very different character. Old Dirty Bastard, by the way, by, if, in case anyone didn't know what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. That, I like to think that goes without saying. Live and uncut. So, so many great, you know, there there yeah. are so many picks, but yeah. I, I, and so many of them are, are good actors. I mean, Method Man's a good actor when you give him kind of a, the appropriate yeah. part. Um, Jizz is a great actor as well. Um, well, I think this movie, if we did it like the way that we want to do it, it would have 
room for everyone in cameos and you know coming they, on right, in. Right, exactly. Yeah. There's so many like, other characters. Method Man and Red Man playing the two Nova Corps guys played by Sarah Finowitz and, and exactly and John C. Riley like. Like, Perfect. Hey, Red, I just got a call from Peter Quill. <laughs> he said that Ronan's coming. Really? Yeah, I'm doing the phone thing as I'm yeah, doing this. It's just like phone, that, that whole conversation. Exactly. And then it, they, they put down the no, phones. No, hilarious. And, they and put they're down, in the same they're room. They're in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> I knew where you were going. Or no, they put down the phones and they're actually like in, in like two separate houses, but they're just like separated by windows, you know? <laughs> Oh man, no! I, there's so much. There's so much opportunity for that. I just I didn't have them in any leads. I I did one more casting, and then we'll talk. We'll yeah. talk direction. But um, I I wanted to cast Ronan, uh, the the villain, um, and this is my my last shot to get this guy in the MCU. Yeah. Um, because we only have two more movies to talk yeah. about, and I know I didn't bring him up in either of those. The great, the legendary, Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> Really? I want that. In the context of this movie, Yeah. I just think, yeah. why not? He'd probably be a better, like, the Michael Rooker character. Like, that would probably be really funny, too. Yeah. It would be a very similar vein. But I was like, you know what? I don't care. This guy going up against, yeah, you know, ODB and DMX the movie, and Damon Wayans. The movie like, would become more, more. Uh, it would become almost exploitation as opposed to, to sci-fi at that point. Because then you have the... The, 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 the white guy the white being the villain. villain, yeah. Well, I think that that's a fun way to spin that too, like like not in a in a yeah. negative way, but just to to have that as sort of something like a counterpoint yeah. to to this cast, yeah. which is largely an African American cast. Yeah. So, um, I have one that I wanted to add, um, and I have two people, and you could pick who which one you want to play. Okay. Him. Um, so the collector. Oh. Okay. Great cameo. Yeah. Lots of room for great cameo on this guy. Um, my first pick is Snoop Dogg. <laughs> that's, that's a great Now, pick. you got to remember, this is 95, so it's before his whole, like, for Sheezy and all that BS that right, came a little right, later. Right. Like, back he kind of became a parody of himself. Mm-hmm. But I think he would be great. This is pre-Snoop Lion. Yeah, this Snoop is Lion, Snoop yeah. Dog. Yeah, this is uh, Snoop Dogg. Um, I thought that's one of the things. Or I thought, for a great cameo that would kind of fit with, like, a Wu-Tang thing almost, Bill Murray. Uh, oh, oh, that's really good. That's really tough too. Yeah, it's the, the pick between those two. Bill I kinda, Murray is I kinda, the collector. I kind of lean towards the Bill Murray. Uh huh. Just because, oh, like, it's just funnier. Yeah, it's funnier. It's way funnier mm-hmm. at that point. Um, um, I think either either of those would would work very. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I think that's I like up that. to you. I like that a lot. Yeah. I think that would work. Yeah. Um. So my last thing I have to mention is my director. I, yeah. I originally went um, John Singleton. Okay, that's big yeah. director. It's um, kind of a kind of a has done some action stuff. I, I don't want to say I don't want to say that's a a, a a cliched pick, but that's kind of a safe pick. It's a little bit exactly. It's a little bit safe. So um, on the way here, I had a, a change. Yeah, and I went with a guy who actually only directed one movie, but he directed a lot of music videos, and even the one. He's a well-known music video director, and, and people probably know who I'm talking about. People who know, you know, nineties. I think I, I think I know who your I think I know um, who your pick is. He he directed one movie, and that one movie really, it's an underrated movie. It's not a great movie, but it's an underrated movie. Um, oh, maybe that I don't know. Has who. a great look, um, of a music video. Okay. Um, I am talking about Hype Williams. 
Ooh, okay. Hype Williams directed a ton of music videos, um, mostly rap videos and, and some R&B and stuff like that. And, and, and he was a big collaborator with a lot of these guys in kind of this mid to late 90s hip hop scene. Um, he directed one movie in the mid 90s called Belly, which actually stars Nas and DMX. Index, yeah. um, a lot of other um, actors in that one. It It's a it's an interesting sort of weird washed out movie. It's a very interesting to look at movie. It's good it's again it's not a great movie but it's a lot of fun i remember it's been a long time since i've seen it but i remember really liking it um i think he has a good eye and i think he'd have a lot of fun giving this a music video um look and feel with a lot of quick cuts a lot of flash um and the great use of music i thought it would be amazing if damon wayne's character has the awesome mix and instead of being like 70s pop music it's all like really early 80s rap rap so it's all like sugar hill gang and grandmaster flash and like and uh curtis blow and like it would still be outdated and then you would find out that like you know, the sales of, of Curtis Blow's The Breaks or like Rapper's Delight or something went up 7,000%, you know, the, the, when this movie was well, released, you know, something like that. So They don't care. They were all sampled by Puffy in the 90s anyway. Exactly. So. That's true. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah. that's my that's my uh, late um, 90s hip hop Guardians I, of the Galaxy. I went, I went, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy yeah. is what it would be called. Yeah. I went with uh, F. Gary Gray, who was mentioned in the Captain America podcast as one of the directors. Oh. Directed Friday, yeah, um, sure. Which also leads to another character that wasn't that you didn't cast, which is Yandu, and that was Cube. Ice Cube, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, I, I was thinking about that when when you were Cube is a little young that... in the in ninety six. No, but I mean he he had already had some acting. Ch- I mean, yeah. obviously, Boys in the Hood was yeah. was were earlier than that ninety three. But he's but he's got he's big enough, and he's got that attitude mm-hmm. where he could easily pull off a yandu character yeah absolutely yeah. Nine, maybe 91 even. i would and i also movie. would love you know how yandu has his little like sidekick character i would love it if that was chris tucker <laughs> there you go secret i could see chris tucker being like doing something being like rocket or something but yeah. i can't i I'm, I'm sticking with odb oh yeah oh yeah Coming back to uh, just uh, let's talk about science fiction. Uh, that's obviously the movie that this genre took place in. This genre, this movie took place in. Yeah, it's definitely science fiction. I mean, there were a lot of comparisons to Star Star Wars, Wars in in so far as this has sort of some of the hallmarks of a space opera. Now, yeah, now, but I don't. I guess I don't know enough about what makes a space opera. 
Yeah, as I, opposed to just a sci-fi movie. Well, yeah, this is this is more space opera. It's definitely space opera. It's the over, and I think it. This is one of the few Marvel movies that really succeeds in the genre that it, it yeah. takes place in, especially space opera. We haven't had a space opera movie for years. Um, probably Serenity might have been the last real space opera movie that we had. Okay. Um, it's just it's the over arc of Grand Galactic turmoil um mm-hmm. the massive villain that's going to destroy civilizations the small band of heroes who has to get together and say but do you think star wars it fits the star wars motto model yeah um of the 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 young hero who has to go on the journey to you know mm-hmm. defeat the enemy i mean it doesn't fit the the classic um you know uh what's it the power of myth you know joseph campbell hero's yeah, journey yeah yeah um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, it does insofar as everything does, but yeah, it's 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 maybe not as grand as Star Wars, and that's because you know that had three yeah. films to to tell that story. Um, even just saying, even just looking at the first one, I mean, it's still it probably compares to the first one a bit in terms of like the scope, but yeah. it's hard to separate that from you know the fact that there were two more and, and it was a huge you yeah. know epic kind of a thing and and but and the, but this movie is epic when you think about it it's you have yeah. this you have this despot who's taking this ultimate weapon to a planet to destroy it and these heroes have to sacrifice themselves in order to defeat him it's yeah. just that unlike most space operas this one has a very very well-defined sense of humor to it yes and so it, it it can seem a little distracting, a little lighthearted, because usually space operas are pretty heavy in and of themselves. But it's the enjoyment factor. It's kind of the cowboy, the the cowboy horse ride, you know, like that bucking bronco. You're just along for you hold on with both of your hands, just hoping to stay, you know, hold on with the plot the entire mm-hmm. time. And I think it succeeds. Um, I'm a big fan of space opera. I'm a big fan sure. of science fiction. Yes, you are. Um, I think some of the things that make this really work is there's no explanation of how anything works. You don't need any uh, any explanation. You don't need to know how the spaceships fly. You don't know how they need to get from one place to another. They just do. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a that's a simple hallmark of science fiction and space opera. Background aliens that need no explanation, just multitudes of different weird things and crazy stuff going on. Yeah, that you just kind of have to accept that this is the way things are done. These are the people that inhabit this universe. You don't need an explanation. Like these people evolved from the Yazoo's of Planet, you know, Guidelbacks Nine. <laughs> right. You know, you don't need any of that stuff. It's just you have to accept that this is the environment in which you're working on. And I think it works even better. And this is the reason why I think it works so great is because it's taking part in a defined universe already. We already know what goes on in Earth. You know, we, they have the superhero. It takes place in the same universe as Avengers. Yeah. So we know that all of the that the Avengers inhabit this universe. And so it's actually expanding this massive universe so that we see this corner of the galaxy and we find out about it. And I think that's yeah. what's so awesome about it is that this movie was the first one to break everything wide open and say, like, yeah. doesn't matter. The whole what movie could have started out with someone saying, meanwhile... Yeah, and then just cut yeah. to this, yeah, like, exactly. right during the Avengers. It's like this is happening well, over I mean, here, completely unrelated. Actually, to everything that's going that on. That would have been a really great thing to do. Is the movie starts off like okay, so you do the Peter Quill thing, but then it's like twenty six years later, and it's the Battle of New York from Avengers, and that portal <laughs> opens up, and then it, as you see, like Captain uh, Iron Man flying into the portal, it just keeps going, and then it, it, <laughs> then you end up on the planet, yeah. and it's like in the far corner of that galaxy, you find Meanwhile, out that there's something else going on. Yeah, you know, Iron I, Iron Man like 
flies past and yeah. que- Peter Quill's ship is like, what was that? <laughs> As he's listening to the Spirit in the Sky. But <laughs> no, no, that was a little too. That, that's a little <laughs> too too uh, too silly. But but I it's, but that really is that's that's it's nice it, to. It hits the spaceship. It's like, hey man, don't scratch the paint. <laughs> you know that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I think it. I think it, even if we don't call it a space opera and we just call it science fiction and yeah. say, you know, does it work? And, and I think it works for all of those reasons that you mentioned. Yeah. There's, there's, it's very simple. It's very straightforward to have all these aliens. We've got lasers. We've got glowing things. We've got stuff that, yeah, again, we don't need a real explanation of how things work. Um, I think that's one of the things that that makes it different from Thor: Cold in the Dark World because that spends a lot of time losing track of the fantasy elements by being like, okay, this is this and this is this. And now we have to add another character in. Right. And, <laughs> and then we're over here and it's just like, we yeah. <laughs> we're shooting each other and we, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's like listening to muskrat love while you're, you know, <laughs> 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 no, that's that. Yeah. Red Hot Love, Radar Love, yeah. That's Radar Love. Yeah, Muskrat. Muskrat Muskrat Love's a different song altogether. Very different song. Yeah. Yeah. By America. (laughs) Terrible song. Uh, Song with no name. So final thoughts and your grade. Uh, I, I, as I said, I, I, I like this movie a lot. This is probably the only one that I've, I've considered as, as a, as a movie that I've, I've really liked and really enjoyed um, beyond just like comparing it to the other Marvel movies. Yeah. Like, I think I liked this um, regardless of, of the MCU thing for, for the reasons that, that we talked about that it really isn't, yeah. you don't have to have seen any of the other movies yeah no to, you, you know you yeah. can't just like watch like thor the dark world would be a terrible like first yeah. marvel movie for someone to watch but this would be a fine any first thor movie. movie would be a terrible <laughs> movie for the marvel yeah. so uh i will give it um i'm gonna be generous i'm gonna give it an a um, solid a i'm giving it an a plus wow i i I don't think I've ever given a movie an A plus, so I don't think yeah, I'm gonna start you're now. You're like Entertainment this Weekly. Is, you this can't, is the A. Yeah. This is exactly. This yeah. is as A. This is as close to an A plus as I'll ever give anything. Probably. This, yeah. This I. This is an A plus. Um, for a lot of the reasons I've already stated. Another one that I didn't mention that I forgot is that this movie doesn't devolve into punching. Yes, there are scenes of action at the That's end. True, it devolves into a dance party. It devolves into a dance party. <laughs> and what I wouldn't movie? even call that devolving. Yeah. What movie do you know? action movie at all ends with 
a dance-off. I was, I was going to say, I, I, I'm glad you qualified that, because I was about to name like 10 movies. <laughs> no, that... no, no, action movie that ends at a dance-off. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> Bring is... it on doesn't end in a dance-off. It's a cheer-off. Well, there's dancing. <laughs> That's uh, athletic dancing, and it doesn't count. And don't get me, I love Bring It On. It's one of my favorite <laughs> movies of this, <laughs> of all time. I sometimes watch that with uh, 10 Things I Hate About You and um, Drop Dead Gorgeous. It's one of my three, like, I'm going to watch, like, early Kirsten Dunst. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and what's her face? Good stuff. Yeah. Early Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that's uh, this this movie does not devolve into any of, like, the common Marvel tropes. It's got a good director to attach to it who knows his material, actors who love what they're doing in this movie. Everything looks lived in and real. I I loved everything about it. And going back and rewatching it, I just rewatched it yesterday, or no, two days ago. Um, I thought I was gonna be like, okay, I'll just sit here and you know do whatever I'm gonna do, have it on the background, you know, catch up on a lot of the stuff. I sat there just enraptured by it, just like the first second time I've seen it. It it was that fun to watch, and I kept thinking to myself, it's like wow, this is really clever in the way that this was done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I enjoy that about that movie. Yeah. Um, and probably it was the best action movie of 2014 for me. I, I couldn't think of a, a better action movie from last year that... I, I, no, John Wick, I think, was 2015. Uh, and John Wick was, uh, was last year. Was it? Okay. Mm-hmm. John Wick might have been better, but I... Uh, in terms of like surprising, like John Wick was, I was like, "Holy crap, this movie's amazing!" Yeah. But uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, was a movie I went into knowing I was probably gonna like it, but just being blown away by it. that's and that's what Marvel needs to do. They need to be like, "Yes, people are gonna go see this, but let's blow them away and give them something they're not expecting—a good movie." <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Marvel. Go to planetarbitrary.com for all your planet arbitrary needs. You can follow me on Twitter at, at planetarbitrary. You can follow Kevin at at White says like a Facebook page backslash planet arbitrary. You can also subscribe to us on the iTunes uh, planet arbitrary podcast where you can also get play on, which is all about the video games. Another podcast you can listen to is the Game Classy podcast, which is all about tabletop board gaming, which has me and Steve on there. Um, other places that you can listen to the podcast podcast include YouTube, where you can. Um, Listen to us on the Game Classy YouTube page. Which I did for the first time this morning. And you were like, really? Okay. We're on the YouTube. <laughs> okay, you're on the YouTube. Um, and there's also, uh, if you care for just updated information, sometimes I post onto our subreddit, the R Game Classy subreddit. So you can get information there on tabletop games and our Marvel stuff. Interesting stuff. Um, next, next time we have uh, Avengers 2. 
the age of Avengers colon Avengers colon the age, age of, of Ultron? Ultron Ultra Ultra on Ultron. Oh, isn't that like a like a like a like a dishwashing detergent? Ultron dishwashing yes, detergent. <laughs> As a matter of fact. <laughs> so, uh, Kevin, until next time. Uh, X, go and give it to you. <laughs> Comic book flagship.